Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. I'd like to welcome you to the second uh, class period of grace-based discipline. Today we're going to be taking a look at um, responding rather than reacting. If you have gotten your book, this is the introduction section of the book um, that really lays the foundation for how you and I can um, interact with our children in such a way, I, when I read it, that I thought that I don't have to be guilty at the end of the day. Um, that I can have a more measured response and I might be able to use some of the skills that we are talking about um, rather than just doing whatever seems to come naturally with my own personality. Uh, one of the cool things about the color code is that the color code will also show you how you tend to shade or um, use different methods. So I am a red and I will be direct and I will be forthright, and the number one accusation that I will be given is I appear to be harsh and uncaring. My wife is blue and white, which means that she values relationships and she hates conflict. So the number one criticism is that she's not going to step into a situation and really want to take it the bull by the horns and make something happen. Um, our uh, middle child, Austin, is yellow, yellow. He's a yellow-blue. And if you have somebody who um, has that tendency, if it's not fun, they don't want to do it. Um, so if you are a parent who has that trait, if it's not fun being a parent, then um, you will just let some really important interactions go if they happen to be too hard. Um, and so just taking a look at the color code, if you've not looked at how your own personal genetic wiring influences you, that is just really a cool thing to be able to do from a variety of angles. There's a lot of really great um, personality inventories that are out there. This is one that we tend to use because it's really interactive in its presentation and will help you to actually think through, oh, I need to parent out of all of these. I need to take a look at how all of these various viewpoints really come to play. So um, I just think it would be interesting for you as we begin taking a look at how to move forward that um, your own personality will certainly impact that. So let's open up with a word of prayer and then we'll get going with some conversation at your tables. Lord, thank you so much for this time and this day that we have. And we are grateful that you love and you care about us and that we as a community of faith can get together and talk about how we can love up on our children, disciple them um, in a really good way, and how we can even glean from the experiences of others. We invite you into this class and ask for you to be our teacher today as you know how we are made and you know how you have made our children. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to make better connections with them, that we will learn skills that really touch their heart in a way that they know that we always love and care about them, and that is never up for negotiation, that no matter how they behave, no matter how that they respond, that they can have the security that they are loved, that they know that there is this purpose that they have in life, and that it's not just aimless, and that um, they don't have anything to do, that you would help for us to help them discover their purpose, the purpose that you have given them, as well as the purpose that they discover for themselves. And we also pray, Lord, that you will help for us to give our children a steadfast hope, a hope that you love them and you care about them, that they're going places 
that um, when they are in a difficult situation, that difficult situation can get better. As we look at these foundational elements, Lord, we invite you into this process to be our teacher, that we would be able to help our children to grow, to love you, and to be as healthy as they possibly can. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, If you would, at your tables, talk about two questions. I'm going to write them up here on the board. The first one was, what was a big or biggest surprise that you ever experienced? Now, remember, just talk about whatever you're comfortable with. So if it was a negative surprise, please, you don't have to talk about that. Uh, but what was a, a, a big surprise or the biggest surprise you ever experienced? And then what was something shocking that your child did or said? Something shocking to you, either fun or surprising in some way. So um, as we are talking about this, we're going to be talking about the way we respond. So uh, feel free to huddle on up. I'm going to write these up here. What was um, a big or biggest surprise that you, you personally have ever experienced? And what was something shocking that your child did or said? So feel free to talk about that for about um, six or seven minutes. I'll let you know when we have a minute left, and then we'll watch the video. So feel free to get started. Okay, I think uh, these kind of experiences are really good for us because we all really are walking on the same ground together with different kinds of experiences. And um, I just want you to know that if you ever run across something that's really surprising or shocking, um, you're welcome, especially in this group, uh, if you feel comfortable to talk to people or share some of that. Uh, because I think we want to be as supportive as we possibly can as you are going through this experience. Um, what I want to do is get the video started. This video um, goes along with the introduction about one of the most important skills that this curriculum wants for us to have, which is the skill to respond rather than to react. And then we'll process this video um, after we're done watching it. I'm going to give you some significant time to talk in your groups, but let me review a couple of things uh, from the video with you before we do that. The first is I've put a diagram up here on the board that helps me to remember what um, Karis is talking about, because I'm a visual sort of a person. I see things in outlines and in pictures. And I also am simple, and I'm a Picasso drawer, so you can see this is fantastic and will be up on the Smithsonian anytime soon. Um, What I want for you to think about is that your child, we're going to aim for your child's heart and your child is upset, but your heart is going, the child's heart is going to have certain kinds of behaviors that are going to come out because of needs. Anger, frustration, powerlessness, feeling left out, not understanding, something, frustration. And these behaviors can become a smokescreen for what you want to accomplish in this moment you will get back to the behaviors. Now, Karis is not saying ignore the behaviors because later on in her book, she talks about ways to deal with that. But in order to de-escalate this situation, because anger begets anger, you have mirror neurons in you. So the more that your child is angry and frustrated with you or the situation, the more likely it is that you will match those frustrations if you don't watch it. And you need to be a first responder that puts out the fire or deals with the wound that's going on. And the behaviors get in your way to be able 
able to do that because these could be truly offensive to you. It could be the 45th time today that it's happened. Your child might not have the discipline, personal discipline and maturity that's needed, and you can react to these behaviors. So what can happen to you is that you see these behaviors and you choose to immediately respond to the behavior, which tends to escalate the situation um, unless there is danger and you need to get your son or daughter into a quiet place to calm down. And what she's suggesting that you do with your emotions is deal with these behaviors secondarily and that you're going to take the anger and the frustration and you're going to just kind of pick them up as her terminology and set them off on the side so that you can get through the behaviors and really try to discern what's going on in your child's heart. Now, Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says that the human heart is deceptive and who can understand it. So there are going to be times that you are going to misunderstand your child's heart, motivation, what's actually going on, and you have to give yourself a break for that. But what you're trying to do is not be so reactionary that you decide in advance what's going on in your child's heart. And what I like to do is uh, when I'm working with somebody and even with my own children is to set these behaviors off on the side and if they are able to articulate what's going on inside of them to get them to talk about it. So tell me what happened. Tell me how you're doing. Tell me what you're frustrated about. Tell me what's going on in your life. And all I'm doing is listening to this kind of hodgepodge of information and I'm trying to organize it, but I'm also de-escalating it. If they can get it out verbally, they are less likely to get it out physically because children are going to act it out. So if they're yelling or they're frustrated, they say, I don't think people love me and I don't think people really care about me, I want you to now begin to go back over to this chart, the, the house, and ask yourself on these inner needs and for freedoms, is there something that's going on? This is where the hard work of parenting comes in. To help you to organize this moment, you need some skills to do that. So does your child feel unloved? Does your child feel like he or she is unimportant? Does your child feel like there's no hope for the future? Or is there a struggle with the difference that your child is, uh, that your child is vulnerable and now is like worried about that or is hard-hearted and doesn't want to be vulnerable? Is your child just being candid, raw, open, and honest right now? And is that creating some trouble? And what about the ability to make mistakes? Remember, we want a $5 mistake instead of a $50,000 mistake. This lower portion down here um, is very helpful as you're trying to discern a starting place for your child's heart. That's all I'm asking you to do with this. Is This is a starting place to begin to help your child understand his or her own wiring and how you're responding to that as well. So this is fraught with a lot of emotional danger and um, problem for us. There is a, a passage in James, James chapter 119. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. As a parent, you know that if you lose your perspective and you become really angry or yell or be frustrated, that the good things that you hope to have happen really doesn't happen in that moment. And what James is reminding us about here is that you're going to need divine enabling. That in this moment, number one, you need to prepare for this moment. It will happen to some of you today, maybe even in the hallway of the church. 
Um, you just don't know where this is going to happen, at least in the car, on the way home, and if not that, at least at the dinner table or right after. You know this is going to happen. So you want to prepare for this uh, moment. You don't want to go through your life hoping that this isn't going to happen. You want to be prepared. And some days, you're more up for this than not. You're just more ready for it. And so the very first place to prepare is to pray is that you're going to need God to give you what you need in that moment. And what he's going to do is freeze your emotional response so that you can set the behavior off on the side. You can remember what to do. And so when you pray, you ask for him to freeze your emotional response. I'm not saying don't have it, but what I'm saying is is that you don't have to act on it if you're like me and all of a sudden you get really angry and then you have to fight through your own anger or your own frustration or your words in some way. Um, And so you just want to kind of put that on hold, basically, for the time being, because you have to deal with it, but you don't want to be triggered by your child. Um, And then what you want to do is ask for his help. And this is what's called divine enabling. I found that I could have two or three really good days and I could zip along and do really well. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's something that would derail me. Or I could have a great morning and I could get going and I would forget that it is likely that sometime during the day one of my kids would struggle and my expectations were we're having a really great day and then something would happen, I would become disappointed and boom, there I would be again being frustrated. And so the Holy Spirit who lives within you, who's closer than your skin, is a part of your own parenting strategy. So in order to set the behaviors aside, go for the child's heart, You need to pray and ask for your emotional experiences to be put on hold and to really ask for that help to happen in that moment. If all you do is stop and think, I don't want to yell, I don't know what to do, then you want to pray. And and I want to couch this, the second thing, under wisdom. You want an action step that is helpful. It might be messy in the sense that Hey, I'm just going to try this and and see that it works out. But you need wisdom to see that this is helpful. Because remember what she said at the very end. Good enough grace-based parenting. And if you're like me, all I'm trying to do is put out the fire, the brush fire. All I'm trying to do is make sure that all three kids don't go crazy when one is. What I'm trying to do is make sure that I don't step out of my character and say or do something later that I need to apologize for. I just would like to hold it together a little bit better. These two steps are the steps that I would like to encourage you to practice because here's why. You can know what to do and not be able to do it. You can know it in your own mind on a really good day. In the moment that you have to interact, you're not able to actually accomplish what you want because you're emotionally compromised in that moment. And the memory of what you need to do is stored in a part of your brain that you can't get at. Because when your emotions flare, there are four things that happen to you. You're familiar with these. Fight, flight, freeze, or submit. That's all you have. And this system has to get into your emotional makeup. You have to get this in your system. And you get it by practice and by prayer and by mental rehearsal and by anticipating. And in the moment that your emotions will flare in whatever it is that happens to you, if you withdraw, if you um, are more aggressive or assertive, what happens in that moment is that you have to have enough memory and enough work that you can access this in that moment when your emotions flare. If you've been an athlete, 
if you have um, worked under extreme circumstances, if you're a first responder, you know that when your emotions flare, if you don't know how to manage it, it will create one of those fight-flight um, kinds of responses for you. And then you won't be able to have the, the calm approach that you want. And so this is a part of her whole approach, which I love that she starts with this. This is a really big challenge, and this is something that I use all the time. I use it at work. I use it when I counsel people. I use it in my marriage. I use it with my children. I use it with strangers. I use it in Walmart when I have to stand in an aisle and I'm getting impatient. I use it all the time. And I have to separate behaviors from intention and heart. So here are my questions for you today as you're looking at this. What is easy about this and what is difficult about this for you? And I want you to begin moving toward an action step. We have about 10 minutes left. And I have, I'm going to leave these, these two action steps up here. But what is easy and what is difficult about this for you? And let me just start with you. This is what I'm looking for. It's easy for me when I'm well rested, when the day before was really good and I had really good food. It was, it's a lot easier for me. And, and I didn't have to get up at the crack of dawn and get rushing around like a crazy man right at the very beginning. You know, I, I didn't have to jump out of bed and run. What's hard for me is when I'm surprised, when I don't feel good, or when I have different expectations. It's hard for me because I just want it to work perfectly all the time. I know nobody else wants that in here. I'm the only one that has unrealistic expectations. I just want to have like a week, and then I want to have a month, and then I want to have a year where we actually get along, and things are really great, and I'm not surprised, and sin doesn't come in, and my attitude doesn't sink, and you know, there, there isn't a budget buster, and you know, my kids don't come home mad about something, or I'm not dealing with something on the phone. I just want some peace and quiet in a broken world where things don't work. I have unrealistic expectations. And when I'm in touch with that, I have a harder time. So let me let you talk, and then I'll pull us all together here at the end for a prayer. Um, but go back to your conversations. What's easy about this? What's difficult? And if you come up with an action step, it might be one of these. You're welcome to take it, but I want you to leave with something to do this week so that no matter what situation you're in, you're beginning to move forward. And here's what I want to say in case I forget it later. You need a good six weeks to change your behavior. I know that sounds discouraging, but you need at least six weeks. You need at least a couple of 21-day routines to get it down. So you could do really well when you go home today and then bomb tomorrow and forget about it. It's a new skill, and you have to give yourself a break, but you have to get started working on that skill. So let me let you talk in your groups what's easy about this, what's difficult about this, maybe what's an action step you'd like to make. It's 10.22. We'll go till um, 10.32, and we'll close with prayer 10 minutes. If you need to leave a little early, please feel free to do that. Go ahead and talk at your tables. Okay, let's close with a word of prayer and an admonition. Um, and here's what I want for you to think about as you grab this information. This is, um, at times, a very difficult skill to put into practice. Um, your children are very forgiving, and it's okay for you to apologize if you have over-responded, uh, overreacted, if you've said something. In fact, it teaches them um, something very important that um, Chris is talking about is that we're never going to be perfect, and sometimes our children think that they have to be, and that adds extra stress. Um, I reached a point in time where I would tell my children that I grew up in a yelling household, and it was my, my desire to stop yelling. 
um, and that when I would raise my voice or I would get intense, there's a difference in my mind between being really serious and yelling. And that when I would yell, um, I wanted to apologize and change. And I had to work really hard with one of my children that was easy to yell at, and the other two were much more similar in my style. So I really struggled more with one and took a long time um, with him to overcome that to the point where he, even as a teenager, would bring people into our house just to show off the fact that we don't yell. And he said, we have parents who don't yell, and his friends didn't believe him. And so they would come to our house. I didn't realize that we were guinea pigs on display. But um, they would say stuff. They would do things. And their kids would, and he told us this later. And they'd leave and go, yeah, your parents don't yell. Um, that took a long time for me with my background and my personality to achieve that goal. And I'm happy I achieved that goal. I wish I would have been able to achieve all the goals that I wanted to have. But I was able to achieve that goal to, to hopefully become a good enough grace-based parent. Um, and my goal for you as we go through this class is that you will lay a hold of some of these skills, you will take them to Christ, and you will ask him to help you to have them come alive in you. Uh, when I was teaching this years and years ago when I was in grad school, I talked to a lady who left one of my parenting classes. And I, I liked her. I knew her for a number of years. We were in the church for a long time. And I just asked her why she left the class. And she said, Peter, I can't do all of those things that you're talking about. And so I said, well, it's my intention that you go home and you ask for God to help you to figure out what you need to do and ask Jesus to help you. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, I don't know him that way. I don't know him that way. I know a lot about him, but I don't know him that way. So I don't want you to not know him that way. And the only way you'll know him that way is experientially by doing some of these things that you can see that he does engage you. He does recognize you. You are made a certain way. You can ask him for immediate help. He will help hold you together and he will set you back up and move you forward again. And I want you to experience that. And parenting will bring that out faster than anything else because you can be caught unawares rapidly and you're going to need some extra support and help in that moment um, or else you will fall back on some pattern behavior that you're hoping um, you would have diminished or extinguished. So I want you to recognize that when we open this up, we are all friends here because we all have these moments. And whether you have them loudly or quietly, we have them. Whether you have them in your mind, whether you, whether you beat yourself up, whether you, you know, have a perfectionist attitude, we all have them. And so I really appreciated the way she ended with good enough. It's not like it's, it's unimportant. It's give yourself a little bit of your own medicine of grace. And ask for God to help you. It is my goal that you will begin to experience that, as well as some victories this week using this approach. Now, here's what I also want you to know. The more that you know what you want to do, the more frustrated you will become when you can't do it. So this week and next week could actually be more frustrating. Because if you know you want to do this and you have these pattern responses, it's like, I'm just going to give up because I can't do it. No, no. Six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. You need time to learn what it's like to put this into practice with your own personality and your own family. Don't give up. Don't give up on God's ability to help you. But please recognize that going through a class like this might have some frustration moments with it. And you're welcome to express them in here. I'd be happy to share some of my frustration moments um, about trying to make these changes. We are in this together. So let us pray. 
And I'm um, asking the Lord to bless our week. God, thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us. You help us to be grace-based parents, grace-based discipline, grace-based parenting, soaked in the graces that you give to us. Help us to learn how that can be expressed through us to everyone around us, but especially in our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.